Houston, we have a problem. Or maybe I should rephrase that. Laborers, laborers, we have a problem. A couple weeks ago, I was blessed. I had a couple pilgrimages recently, but we were in Lucerne, Switzerland. Beautiful. It's got a lake, the Alps rising there. Uh, Europe doesn't believe in air conditioning in your hotel rooms. So I was talking to some Germans. They were like, yeah, you Americans, air conditioning and ice cubes. Ice cubes and air conditioning. So it was very hot. It was hot streak going on through there. I was like in the fifth floor of this hotel, and I was looking down upon the street. It's kind of the back street, uh, the back side of the hotel. Saturday night was a big night. All the kids were out. 16 years old, you can have your wine and beer, open containers walking through the streets. So it was a madhouse, like till four in the morning. So not much sleep that night. Plus it was very hot. We had a fan, a little dinky fan, but probably 85 plus degrees in the hotel room. So I was looking at that and I like, wow, <laughs> the harvest is great. You know, all these kids going to party and to God knows what leads from there. And we know that, that darkness that can ensue. And then the next night, couldn't sleep again. It was about midnight, looking down on the same street, pretty emptied. But I saw a, a girl on the windowsill of the restaurant hotel across the street, and my heart just began to sorrow. It was midnight. She's kind of in a mini skirt, and she's there sitting on it. And then she leans over and she lights up probably a crack or, or whatever I would think, doing drugs and all by herself. I'm like, what can I do? You know, can I go help this? daughter of God. She's here. She's a, a girl out in the middle of the night, just lost, taking drugs, most likely. All you have to do is walk around the streets right here. I mean, it's left and right. And it's not just down at the bottom of the hill. It's on the hill. It's just sophisticated and behind closed doors with nice clothes on. So much is going on. From that to Ukraine, to babies in the womb, uh, all the things that we're dealing with, the harvest is great and the laborers are few. Pray to the master of the harvest that the laborers would labor, that you and I would labor because it's left and right all the day long. Now, how did I get to Switzerland? Why was in Switzerland? About a year ago, I called my friend. I don't know him real well, but probably many of you know him, Father Donald Calloway. He wrote The Consecration of St. Joseph, over 500-page book, Consecration of Mary. He's got quite a story, and I want to tell you that today because I got to know him better, and it just fits in with our readings so much. But I called him about a year ago, and I said, hey, can you get me on the pilgrimage? I'll do anything. I want to go to Over Armour Gal, you know. He said, I'm sorry, it's full up, you know, you won't be able to go. And then he, he wasn't vaccinated, so he decided not to go. He recommended me, so I was leading the pilgrimage. And then they didn't need to be vaccinated, so he's back on the pilgrimage. So that was great, because I got to spend some time with a brother priest. And only priest knows what a priest goes through. And that, that's a good thing. Like just a married person, <laughs> only a married person knows what a married person goes through. I love it when people say to me, oh, Father John, I know. I go, you have no idea. You have no idea of my life. You have zero idea. <laughs> but anyways. So I like Father Donald because he's real, he's a dude, and I think we need so much more of that standing up in front of us in the church and saying, I am weak, I am lost, I need help. I don't get this and I, I don't know what I'm doing, crying out to the Lord. So anyways, story about Father Donald Calloway, some of you probably seen it and uh, looked, but he was, when he was 13 years old, he was living here in San Diego, California. His 
third father, so mom had gone through, had two previous husbands, third father, who he considers his father, got transferred in the military to Japan. And so he, at that point, at 13, he was like, he was really liking San Diego. San Diego is kind of beautiful, right? And there's like a lot of beautiful people in San Diego, like a lot of beautiful girls. And he was getting into that, and he was starting to smoke pot, and, you know, 13-year-old, he said, this is a life, surfer dude, you know, everything, ripping the waves, you know, and stuff like that. And so he, he was there, and this was all going on, and Dad said, we're moving to Japan, and Donald did not like that. He said, no way, I'm not going. I said, yes, you are, son, you're my 13-year-old son, you're going to Japan. So it went, just went from bad to worse at that point. He grew his hair, and he grew his hair so much that it was down to his waist, and he was an American with long hair, so he was like a rock star over there. So he could get any girl, and he got a lot of girls. And he did a lot of partying and all this. And he was turning into just what was inside of him, feeling like a scumbag, though. He was just using people and just full, ouch! <laughs> and so he's there, and that, I actually did etymology on that word, and it means you're dealt the worst hand. It's a numerological etymology, and it's you're, you're dealt the worst hand, al apropos. That's what he was living. He was choosing the worst hand. So uh, he's running for them, and uh, at one point, he's like 18 or 19 years old, and the Japanese government's after him, the American government's after him, and so they find him, and they chain. They chain his, his wrist, and they chain his, his ankles, and they deport him to United States of America. He couldn't be tried here, he was 17 years old, so he couldn't be tried here, wasn't old enough, and there, I don't know, he somehow got out of it. I said, dude, are you still like, uh, are you allowed in Japan? He goes, I don't even know. <laughs> so he comes home, he, he said, he's a bad dude, just a lot of bad things. So he used to just run over women in Tokyo, old ladies, and just throw them to the ground and steal their purses. When he got back to the United States of America, his mother, who uh, preceded him here, was in the airport. She came to meet him, and he, he came up to her, and he threw her on the ground. He said, I hate you. So we're, we're talking about darkness. We're talking about illness, and that's where he was. So he was still on the run, still, still doing all this. He got incarcerated here in the United States. He also was put in a mental institution, a psych ward for a while. I mean, this is really radical, you know. Maybe some of us can't relate to it, but I'm going to try to tie it together and say we're all related to this and what he went through. So it was kind of like he was 1920 and he was at home, kind of in a small room, not really a bedroom, but he was there and he goes like, I'm, I just stink. I am just scum. No one, no God could ever love me. I am just nothing. And I don't, I don't even want to be here anymore. So that's where he was. He was at that point. And kind of at that evening, he went out and to the library, his mom and dad's library, who had come uh, into their faith, and their faith had come alive. And he got this book, and the book was on Medjugorje, Yugoslavia. And so he read this book, and he's like, wow, this beautiful lady, I can relate to that, makes young children cry because she's so loving. I, I like that. He had no idea anything. But one thing our lady said in that book that I want to say to you now Run to a priest and go confession, then you'll have peace. If you want peace in your life, run to a priest and go to confession. I'll hear your confession anywhere, anytime. And I've seen so many people set free. Until you're set free by him, you have no story, and you're not going to be a good laborer. That's the deal. 
it's not rocket science. So he woke up the next morning and said, Mom, I think I want to go to confession. She's on the phone, you know, she's Miss Faithful. And, hey, Father, can you? I can't. Father, you know. Finally, he goes down there in his long hair and gives this wretched, like, jaw-dropping confession to this priest. And he's, uh, whoa, wait, you know, and he's like big eyes, you know, deer in the headlights. You know, like, is this a confession? He, he, yeah, whatever. He had no idea of anything, you know. He wasn't baptized. No idea of God. Antithetical to God. Hated churches. He'd see a church and i go, hate those. They just brainwash people and they, they're just mean and against women and just squashing down the people, whatever. So uh, the priest said, well, when's the last time you've been to confession? He, he goes, what's confession? <laughs> he goes, are, are you a Catholic? He goes, no. <laughs> and he goes, oh, okay, so we got to work on this. So he went through all that, goes back home, and he's at the state, and he's like, oh, my gosh. He goes, I, I just stink. I am nothing. I am I'm the scum, and I'm just beyond, beyond help, beyond touch, beyond care. And then he, he decided in his spirit somehow, he just kind of cried out. He said, Jesus, help me. I think that's a great prayer for us all. Do it 24-7. It's not about you. It's about him saving you. So he called, and then it, it was like Jesus uh, came to him and flowed over him like he, he described as liquid love all that day. He cried. He cried all day long until the afternoon. He was kind of curled up on a love seat there in the later afternoon. And so he had all this experience of this, the reality of, of that God was madly in love with him and cared for him, and he wasn't beyond reach. But then he said, at that point, he said, the only way I can describe it was Satan entered the room. He entered this room where I was. It wasn't like a, he, he was a person, but he wasn't intelligible. And he said it was the most terrifying, horrifying, hateful thing he'd ever experienced in his life by far. And he was basically paralyzed. He couldn't move. He couldn't move his lips. And so he, he's in that state right there, and he wanted to take him. He wanted to destroy him. Just like that girl I saw in Lucerne at midnight doing drugs. That's our sister, brothers and sisters. And God's asking for laborers. So here he is, just terrified. And he goes, what am I going to do? Punch him with my dinky arm? Won't even touch him. He has the power to destroy me, to obliterate me. And all he could think was doing, and he didn't do this out loud because he couldn't even move his lips and tongue. All he could think of doing was this. Inside, with all that he had, Mary! Satan was annihilated. He was obliterated. He was gone. Because that's what Mary does. She brings us her son. That's what she's going to do in this Eucharist. Bring us her son in the Eucharist and say, I'm going to be here for you. And he became a new creation. Because Mary allowed it. Because he took Mary into his home into his heart. Take Mary into your heart. Take Mary into your home. Pray the rosary.
because otherwise the evil one is annihilating our children and our parents. I just heard before mass, one of you was telling me someone took their life 57 years old just recently. It's left and right. And this is what we're talking about. And then he was there. He knew Mary, the beautiful lady, beyond a shadow of doubt, had annihilated the destroyer of our lives and our souls. And then he heard these words from Mary, the mother of God. He said the most maternal, powerful, beautiful, feminine voice. Donnie, I'm so happy. He goes, nobody calls me Donnie except my mom. But then I realized I had another mom. He says, like if a dude called me Donnie, I'd take him out. Donnie, I'm so happy. Mary, in all her power, bringing Jesus, they're always together. And Mary's always handing Jesus over to us all the time. And comfort, to comfort Don, Donnie, like a child, and to hold him to her breast, and to feed him and to nourish him, as Isaiah talks about. And that's what it's all about. The context for our first reading is the captives coming back from Babylonian captivity. They were exiled. We'll talk about exile, Father Donald Callaway. But you know what? I was thinking about that, and I was kind of comparing my life to his. Even though I didn't do those bad things, even though I respected women and didn't do all the partying stuff, I was just in as much hell without God. I was just in as much hell and I would have been destroyed if I hadn't found him. And if you and I don't do the work, that's what's happening. They're being destroyed left and right in front of your eyes all the day long in Point Loma. Don't tell me there's not a billion drugs here and our kids are partying, they don't know which way's up, and they're living in hell and they're being destroyed. And Mary wants to say that to all of, all of us. She just wants to come in. We take her into our home. We are in exile, being destroyed, and we become a new creation. Take her into your home. Take her into your heart. And she will give you Jesus. And they will destroy the one who's seeking to destroy you and all those you love and all your brothers and sisters, including that sister in Lucerne, Switzerland, at midnight doing drugs. But we can cry out, Mary! And then we'll be comforted and we'll be fortified against all the attacks of the destroyer. And we will destroy the destroyer because we will become new creations. And that's what we have when we receive the Eucharist and Mass. So I invite you to continue to pray about that. Step it up. Don't just come on Sundays. There's more. The battle's on. And you know it. I see it in your eyes, and I know your kids, and I know your stories, and we know life. And that's what this is about. But 
Mary, Mary will come to bring her son, will be new creations, and we will go out to the world and tell the good news. Pray to the master of the harvest that the laborers, that the laborers will go out and become brave and hit the streets. Yeah, it's great to hit the pews. And we're, a lot of us are experiencing that in the pews, but just think outside of that. All the day long, so many, so many are crying out and are paralyzed in fear. And Mary wants to come and bring her son Jesus in their hearts, make him a new creation. Pray to the master of the harvest that the laborers, you, would go out and harvest for the kingdom of God. That's the work of the church. This is what we're involved in. It's not about making money or making a name for ourselves. It's about all those that are in the grasp of the destroyer. And if we, and maybe you don't have a radical testimony like Father Donald Calloway, I don't feel like I do, but I do. Because I know what I was living in without Christ, and it was the same thing. I was being destroyed. And until I cried out to Mary and Jesus, then became a new creation. So your testimony might not be the same, as follows, but in every way, shape, and form, you're in Exodus, you cry out to God, you're a new creation, and you go out to the world, and you become a laborer, day in and out, day in, day out, all the time, everywhere you look, laborer. Take Mary into your heart, she'll give you Jesus. Get to work. <laughs>